everybody. Welcome to our first Crunch episode of the Mythos Manual. I'm Leslie Wisniewski. I'm hosting these sessions. I produce the podcast. And sitting down with me is Calder David, our Game Master. Hello! We're going to use these sessions to reflect upon the previous two narrative episodes of the Mythos Manual. We'll be digging into character choices, building NPCs, monsters, locations, all kinds of different aesthetics that really narrow in on a homebrew campaign. So we're going to get down to nuts and bolts. Every once in a while, there could be spoilers. If you want to stick with the narrative episodes, then feel free to skip these. But if you're interested in learning more about the process of homebrewing and getting a peek behind the curtain with Cal and I, stick around. Yeah, we're going to have a really nice time. Yeah. Hi, Cal. We're sitting down doing our first Crunch episode. Yep, yep. It's happening. It's really happening. Yes, uh, it is happening. Now that uh, they've made their characters, they've started exploring the world, they're already messing up. It's amazing. (laughs) Really? Are they actually messing up already? No. Well, maybe. So the first two episodes of Mythos Manual are Session Zero and Welcome to Avuba. Now, let's kind of dig into what a Session Zero function at, functions as. Well, we talked about it briefly during the Session Zero, but a Session Zero is essentially kind of like a pre-production meeting that you would do for any kind of art project where you get the group of people who are going to be involved together. You lay out to the group what to expect for the project, right? Like you're going to say, like, here's the tone, here's the rules, here's what we're doing, here's what we're gonna be here's the language we'll be using to discuss this game uh they didn't really come into popularity as far as i know until i don't know maybe within the last decade is like when that when the term started really becoming popular i've run lots of games especially when i was younger that had no kind of session zero and to do a session zero is a huge benefit compared to like not doing a session zero you can really help get everybody ingratiated into the game you're about to play you don't have a lot of people just showing up with like random characters that have to kind of fit into this mold together. It gives the people to everybody to kind of work together to kind of figure out what kind of characters are going to work best in the story we're all going to be work together to tell. Yeah, in a way, a session zero provides a lot of context and structure. It does. Instead of just blue skies. Because I know sitting down to build a character, it's not only, oh, what's going to fit best within my party dynamic, but also... What story or narrative do I, the individual, want to be exploring? Exactly. Do you remember when we ran, when a couple years ago we ran Mummy's Mask, the adventure path, and like one of the guys who showed up to the game came and just, you know, generated a character and he sat down with like an elf rogue. And we were in, you know, the desert and in like a kind of a faux Egypt setting. And I think he was expecting a much more like, oh, traditional, traditional game of like Pathfinder, Dungeons and Dragons, where it's like, he expected us to kind of go like, all right, we're in an inn. Let's go make merry. And like, I'm like, oh, no, there's a whole thing happening. And like, blah, blah, blah. It's an adventure path. And like, he wasn't, he eventually came around. But like, yeah. he, he was definitely kind of shocked at first. They were like, oh, we're in Egypt? Essentially. Fantasy yeah. Egypt. Yeah, we're in fantasy Egypt. I didn't expect that. Like, was, why is an elf in fantasy Egypt? And we never really answered that. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe that's okay. It was fine. But like, it, it, it the game would have been stronger had we did. I think another benefit to a session zero is it gives the opportunity for everybody to meet one another. When you assemble a D&D party, you don't always have previous experiences with people. It's usually like, oh, hey, GM, who are your friends who play this? Sure. Try to assemble them and now make them get along right away. That's that's a lot. Um, and it also gives you kind of a pressure-free environment to to go through the logistics of building a character. 
because I've found that in sessions where you show up, you build your character, you play the first session, it's, it's kind of hectic. It's a longer process. And a session zero really allows kind of some freedom and comfort to actually sit down, talk through your character with your dungeon master or your game master, and really kind of have the nuts and bolts of your character functionality worked out before you show up and bust into a tavern. I definitely agree with that. I I definitely agree now more with the idea of let's do a session zero. We talk about the game, make characters, and we're not really going to play. Like we're going to, you know, you go home, maybe spend like the next week or two, whatever, thinking about that character you've built, thinking about it a little bit. Let let those, let that flavor kind of mull in your brain a little bit. Let everything kind of like settle down until you've kind of conceptualized a fully formed concept. And then uh, when you show up to play your session one, you're excited and raring to go. And I definitely think that Christy yeah. and Alan and Paul definitely showed up in Welcome to Avuba with their characters locked and loaded, for lack of a better term. I would agree with that. Yeah, they all, they all seem pretty well fleshed out. Yeah, definitely. They even had a backstory about how they had known each other before the adventure. I loved that. I did not make them do that. <laughs> it's just for the record. They just decided that they were all in university together. That was never something that they had to do. Yes, I love the notion of Chermov University. And can we speak for just a moment about Chermov? Is it a city? Is it a country? Oh, uh, Chermov is a city in the country of Quincy. Cool. So... We've talked a little bit about how, well, I say we, but you and the players talked about how this setting takes place in your own homebrew world. Mm-hmm. Um, so what is, I guess, maybe the the modern parallel to that city and that state? I've never set anything there. It's always been people have been from that place in my worlds. Mm-hmm. Every time we've ever played. It's, uh, it's supposed to kind of be like my version of the neo-Gothic games to kind of compare it to other established properties. It'd be there like Ustalov or... Uh, whatever kind of like Barovia, Pro- kind of like Prague, maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, I think like Chermov is kind of modeled after like Prague and Paris, and oh, fun. And like it's supposed to kind of be like Anne Rice's Paris, but also set in Eastern Europe. Okay, very cool, very interesting. So everybody is set out from Chermov University for this kind of like almost study abroad, independent study. Um, there's there's a whole other character now that I feel like really kind of steals the show, and that's Archibald the Goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul's Paul's little familiar that he's brought along. It's <laughs> gonna get eaten by gorillas or something. You've already decided. I'm pretty sure. Well, or lions. I'm Team Archibald. I want him to survive the adventure, even if no one else does. Okay. I want Archibald to emerge from the jungle covered in blood, and just like go. Meh. All right. That's my secret. Stick around. Maybe it'll happen. (laughs) Um, So in the first episode, we're meeting a lot of NPCs, a lot of NPCs that are going to be reoccurring because they're a part of the expedition crew. How do you keep each of those characters their own personality and how do you define them and keep them separate from one another in your head? It can be really tough, especially, you know, because as players have a hard time just trying to stay in character and trying to be true to their character and maintain a good voice. As a GM, though, you're obviously trying to play everybody, everybody mm-hmm. else in the world. And it's easier to do that when you have like a strong concept for what all your characters are. This is like this game is a little different though because I've thrown a lot of major NPCs at the PC at the at the uh, players really early in the campaign. Like I want that to be one of the major kind of facets of this game is that there's a like a really strong NPC interaction feature to it. Yeah. And that you're going to be interacting with these like, same core cast of individuals 
And the more you get to know them, like you, you'll learn more about them and you'll be rewarded in different ways for getting to know them. Right. So how, what are, what are some ways if someone is sitting down to do an NPC heavy campaign, what would be some of your recommendations for, what would be some of your recommendations for giving them a real sense of individuality and also helping the players kind of keep them in mind? What are some good tips or tricks? Well, when it comes to NPCs, I think it's good to have a strong voice in mind and to have a couple really strong personality concepts in mind. Like, And a good thing to do when writing a character is to give that character a want, right? Like every character has to want something. They have mm-hmm. to have a desire. They have to be trying to go and achieve this desire. And so all of the characters have to have... Once you know what they want, you can kind of take it from there like if all of their goal everything they do to a certain extent is trying to attain this goal and that goal can change right but like they have to always have something in mind like they don't if they don't want anything then they don't really belong in your game because they're not very interesting they need to they need to make interesting characters that stand out so they need like they need a want it's sometimes helpful to have a good voice or a good like intonation or look sometimes we'll celebrity cast NPCs just to kind of give players an idea of like this is who this character looks like because anything and because players are stupid and they will forget everything you tell them and so the more things you can do to make something stand out and to be memorable the better okay and as a player i want to say i don't think players are stupid i just also think you can't constantly be taking notes and it's good to have touchstones for for npcs Mm -hmm. like there are a lot of tavern maids that are about in D&D games. But sure. I'm going to remember the one that's described as kind of a Zoe de Chanel. Right. Yeah, exactly. Kind of a Zoe de Chanel that maybe like spills beer all over your character and then yeah. and, and dreams of a better life or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's, it, it, you, it helps me. Yeah. It helps me. It's a good frame of reference for me, the individual, to frame how I myself and by extension my character feels about this NPC. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly yes. You have a, you start your own relationship, and then you kind of build from there. It's good to have like a couple very simple touchstones. It's like you know, voice, look, desire, and just from and from there, that's where you grow. But once you have just a couple little handful of things, everyone knows that's your base, and for, and then you just move on from there with the characters and like let things organically grow as much as possible. Yeah, I'm sure that like. By the time the campaign is over, the NPCs as you've introduced them in session one will maybe sound a little differently or behave a little differently than they did at the beginning because their development has been informed by their interactions with the players. Almost certainly. On top of also, I have a hard time. I have a hard time settling into a voice for every character right away, especially with a group this big. It might take me a little bit to kind of settle on exactly what the quote-unquote voice of each character is to kind of like really start to nail where I fit comfortably in doing them. And a lot of times I feel like it's not necessarily about having an accent, but more about having a way of speaking to someone. Exactly. I think some people get really caught up in like it's all about accent work. Like, oh, my character has an Irish accent and this character has a pirate accent. And it's not really about that. Like it doesn't it does not have to be that. It's just about carrying your voice in different places in your in your mouth and throat and maybe different intonations, different ways of kind of producing your words, different language selection. All these things can really like infer a different character. 
Yeah, 100%. You don't need to be like an incredible voice actor to communicate a lot of different, like, well-thought-out characters. Yeah, I, I it agree. Helps, <laughs> it helps. It does help. It certainly doesn't... It certainly doesn't hurt. No. <laughs> um, I know for myself as an individual, a lot of times I try to find the differences between myself and a character and try to play those up in how I perform them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a character right now that is very haughty and thinks a lot of herself. And so will occasionally talk down to people and use more of an NPR patronizing voice. And that's not me doing a voice. It is. It's me doing a voice, but it's not so far from my own. Right. And also that gives me less of a barrier between experiencing things with my character. Yeah, I think, yeah, sometimes if you have to, if your voice is so complicated that you can't do it easily or that you can't get into it like readily then maybe it's not the right voice like yeah you should you shouldn't be worried about how you're talking you should be worried about like what your character is worried about what their wants and fears are not so much like oh am i doing am i doing a british accent or is it more jamaican now yeah yeah (laughs) awesome so here's a question we've met a lot of our npcs that are going to be on the expedition do you have any that you're really excited for the characters to get to know? I don't know if there's anyone I'm more particularly invested in. I feel like they're all kind of fun and they each have their own secrets and they each have their own desires. And I've, I'm honestly really curious to, just to see more what they respond to versus what I end up creating. This campaign, I want to be very open about like, I'm not really running ahead too far. I have some loose structure ideas and some notes, but right. like I'm trying not to get really ahead of myself and like plan out every session, every like battle, every possible path. I want it to be a little bit more organic. A little more fluid. A little bit more fluid than I usually run games. So we're going to kind of let the story have a little bit more freedom than I would normally allow it because I'm trying to loosen up or just do a little something a little different. Yeah, it's, than it, it's in a way it's a fun exercise for you because depending on what happens with the player characters, some things might be thrown out the window entirely. Exactly. So because of that, I'm very open to like just throwing my ideas away. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. I, like I have a lot of ideas for all these characters, but if it doesn't happen because the story changes, like I'm not going to get really upset about it. Like it's just, you know, that doesn't happen now. Like it's okay. Like throw your idea away. There's another idea there. Ideas are cheap. <laughs> Where do you, like, where, what are some resources that you pull your ideas from? Everything. I pull my ideas from, like, like, things that inspire me, especially for, like, role-playing games, comes from just everything around me. Everything I kind of, like, take in. I feel like sometimes I'll be watching a movie or a play or reading a book or a comic, playing a video game. It doesn't matter, really. When you just twist it a little bit and change things here and there and suddenly it's a whole new fresh idea, right? Yeah. You know, you change names, you change what you want to change, and maybe you keep some sort of arc, you keep some sort of story beat or personality trait, but everything ends up being filtered through you, so it becomes inherently different. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a collage of a of a variety of fan fiction? Or a like little bit, res- yeah. Like respect and admiration for other people's works? I mean, all art is sort of like that. Like, like what is originality when it comes to art anyway? Like, everything that you ever create is in some way influenced by everything you've ever... Experienced. Experienced and imbibed. So, is the idea of, like, is creating original... Like, you know, when it comes to art and originality, is anything original? And I would argue, not really. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... I don't know. Um, I feel like that was a concept that was very much drilled into me in film school, which was stop trying to reinvent the wheel. 
I am. It's been invented. Instead, like take it for a ride and see like where it goes. Yeah, exactly. That's that's good advice. Well, for any aspiring film students out there, abandon your chisel. Just saved you. Just saved a bunch of people eighty thousand grand. Like, good job. Hey, theater school over there. It was also expensive. I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't waste a bunch of money at eighteen. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me for the first of many Crunch episodes. Yeah, these are going to be fun. I want to use these Crunch episodes to talk about different concepts. If something comes up in a game, we can really unpack it. We can, you know, kind of worm our way into concepts. Because I don't want to get, like, super nitty-gritty about, like, Pathfinder rules. I'd rather, I want to keep these Crunch episodes for everybody to listen to to be very kind of, like, rules-like. You know, we're talking more of, like, broad yeah, it, terms. it's a conversation that would happen at the end of a session after everyone's put their dice away and someone says, wait, did you plan that or did you just pull that out of your ass? I don't always tell the truth about that. Usually I'm like, I don't know. Did yeah. I? Did I? Mm-hmm. Well, don't lie to me. Well, okay. For the sake of these, I won't. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you heard it first, everyone. There will be no fibs on the crunch. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week for more of the wonderful Mythos Manual, and we will see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Manual. Be sure to check us out on our socials at Mythos Manual or our website, MythosManual.com. May all your rolls be 20s.